God, I feel good! Just like old times. What's it feel like to be a dying man? You're a dead man, John? Bullshit! John, I'm not gonna shoot you between the eyes! I'm gonna shoot you between the balls! Let off some steam, Bennett. You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. The following podcast may contain language and discussions of a frank and adult nature, and spoilers regarding the films discussed are always to be expected. Thank you for joining us. Now start the show, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! This is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 144, and I am your host, Lee. I eat green berets for breakfast, and right now, I'm very hungry, Russell. Joined by my co-host, Daniel. You know when I was a boy and rock and roll came to East Germany, the communists said it was subversive. Harper, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you very much. That's yeah. awesome. We are also joined by a special guest who's been on the show before, uh, our good friend Gary. The Justice Department's calling every 10 minutes. Hill, how are you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. Awesome. And we're also joined for the first time by a longtime listener, and he used to comment, although he's been shunning us for the last uh, year and a half or more. I'm a Uh, shitty human being. Yeah, Greg, there's nothing funny about a dickless moron with a battery up his ass. Balaski, how you doing, sir? You know what, Lee? I promise I'm going to kill you last. (laughs) And uh, if you haven't guessed by the uh, quotes and uh, the jokes, uh, we're going to be doing a couple Arnie movies this time out. We're going to be looking at Commando, and we're going to be looking at The Running Man. But before we get into those, we're going to jump into the comments really quickly here. We had one from uh, Derek Bergois from our uh, discussion on, I think, F for Fake. Uh, He said, just finished listening Fantastic discussion as always, guys. Thanks for the shout out, and it's all good. My name gets messed up all the time. Actually, that might have been for um, uh, other side of the wind, one or the other. But uh, there we go. Not only do I fuck up your name, Derek, I fuck up what your comments related to eh. episodes. <laughs> it's okay. All these episodes just run together anyway. It's fine. Yeah, uh, I'm a horrible person, Derek. You just need to expect that if you're going to listen to the podcast. Uh, we have another. I, comment- I think 144 episodes in, he would know that by now. I think so. I think so. We have one other comment in relation to the movies we're doing tonight. Jason Connerly says Commando is a quintessential 80s action movie. Over the top violence, crazy evil villains, awesome quotable one-liners, and the hero wins at the end, killing the bad guys and getting the girl. Well, spoilers. spoilers. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I haven't even watched the movie yet. Fuck. Oh, hey, is Paul here all of a sudden? What's going on? 
Yeah, so we're now going to move on to uh, a nice little segment because this is Greg's first appearance on the podcast. So, sir, you have Ooh. to play the movie God game. All right, time to take my virginity. Yeah, so this is the movie God game. Are you familiar with it, sir? Yes, I am. I have to play a god and decide what to kill. Exactly. So a actor, composer, director, something to do with movies. You have to pick one or the other and you have to kill them. They, they're they just totally gone from the timeline. They've never existed. Their careers are gone. And you have to take in consideration all the consequences of that. So, Greg, you are the movie god. Oh, boy. You must kill one of these two actors, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. I kind of thought that one was coming. That's an easy one for me. I mean, as much as I do enjoy some of the sh- some of the Stallone pictures from, you know, the '80s, especially, uh, you know, especially like obviously the big ones are Rambo and Rocky, and I still think those the originals hold up, and some of the sequels do. And frankly, I think I think First Blood is probably better as a movie than just about anything Schwarzenegger ever put out. Not necessarily as entertaining, but a better movie. But no, that would be an easy kill for me. I'd take down uh, Stallone because Schwarzenegger is he's my bromance. I, uh, I grew up loving his movies. Always wanted to be like him. Those of you who have seen me know I look exactly like him. Just as tall, just as muscular. Exact, ex- exact same accent so yeah no that would be a, that would be easy that's an easy one for me you motherfucker you just gary hilled that fucking question well i would pick the other way so there you go it's, it's uh yeah it, you know what you need to take into consideration here greg you need to stop and think for a minute you wouldn't have commando if you didn't have sliced alone you can't just go by actually you gotta go by you know other stuff too like rhinestone oscar you know there's other stuff mm-hmm. Done. Well, again, I, I, mean, I don't. I mean, Commando is Arnie's Rambo. It really is. Didn't the, but didn't now again? I should know my years better. But didn't First Blood and Commando come out the same year? No, no. First Blood's way earlier. It's like seventy. Oh, is it, is it that much earlier? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's eighty two, eighty five. But oh, okay. I, I would, I would argue, I would, yeah, I would argue Commando is like basically an, an answer to like Rambo two. It's yeah. kind of like, you know. Yeah, because I was going to say, First Blood is nothing like Commando. <laughs> no, no, no. And I haven't, seen, I haven't seen Rambo 2 or 3 in forever. I've probably been about 10 years since I've seen those movies, but I don't remember them particularly great. Yeah. All right. He's, you, I, I guess you win, Greg. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make you suffer with Movie God. So uh, I, I don't know what the tally is now, because Gary Hill and Greg have both basically stumped me at this point. So... Uh, uh, I didn't know there was a win or lose thing. I thought it was just an opinion. I take it personal. Oh, okay. <laughs> the the only way to win at Movie God is to make someone else suffer greatly. That's the way you win at Movie that's, God. This is called butthurt follies, then you know, because I'm just throwing it out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, does anyone have anything they've watched in the last little while that they want to mention or anything like that, or do we just want to move right to our break and then go to the movies? I mean, the other, the other thing I'll mention, and this is not a movie, so it's a, a bit of a tangent, but I watched last season Better Call Saul. Highly recommend it if you like Breaking mm-hmm. Bad and you like that show. I, to me, it's my favorite show on TV right now. So, Yeah, no, it's a great show. Fourth season holds up. Even though, you know, <laughs> Saul looks like 20 years older than he did in Breaking Bad at this point, but still, it, it, it does hold up as, as a show. And Although uh, the Mike Aaron Trout show is, is one I want to see. It's... <laughs> I want to see his story before he became like a hitman and shit. 
since you mentioned Stallone, I'll mention Stallone too, since he just killed off the Rocky character on Instagram. Um, yep. Oh, I saw really? Creed. I saw Creed two, and if you guys are on the fence about it, it's the best parts of Rocky four and the best parts of Rocky two rolled into this movie about Adonis beat the crap out of Drago's son. Eventually, okay, it's a good movie though. I enjoyed it. I really I, want to see that because it, he he got back Dolph Lundgren and Bridget Nielsen for that. She looks rough, brother. It's not, <laughs> it's nothing to get excited about. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, I'm not excited about it in that way. I'm just like, she's looked rough for like the last 20 years. Yeah, she has. But yeah. she does show up, though. You know what? Despite me murdering Stallone, I've liked every single Rocky movie except for part five. So I, I thought Creed was absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, I thought it, Creed was a perfect ending to the franchise. But, you know, of course, they had to make a sequel. So I'm actually looking forward to this one, too. Nice. You you said Rocky killed himself off on in Instagram. He retired the character uh, officially on Instagram, I guess. Did he die like, of cancer? Like, I don't know. Not in the movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'd imagine he'll bump himself off like they did Polly and Adrian in those other movies. He'll <laughs> <laughs> just show up as a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Creed will just go to the gravesite and it'll be like the three of them lined up there. You gotta punch him. Ugh. Got to fill that plot space, you know. You pay a lot of money for that. Mm-hmm. I want. I want to see him fight Clubber Lang's kid next. <laughs> well, that was the rumor that he was going to be in Creed Two, but he didn't show up in Creed Two. Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone wants to put Mr. T in a movie at this point. I don't think Mr. T wants to be in a fucking movie. No, I don't think so. I think he's enjoying retirement. You know. Yeah. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play some uh, podcast promos and a little bit of music, and we're going to come back and talk about some movies. You ungodly warlock. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, and you come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, Take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. ungodly warlock
Okay, Commando from 1985. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If he wants your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna pay. Do you think that he's going to give us any problems? You'll do exactly as he's told. Last and wake, you fellas. You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last. No. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. What are you doing? Helping you get her back. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what Major did. I lied. It's a mission no man can survive. He's the man for the job. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Commando. Let's party. Directed by Mark L. Lister, who um, has done a range of shit. Like, he's done everything from exploitation to, like, bigger movies. Truck Stop Women, Roller Boogie, which is Linda Blair in a lot of very tight clothing. Yes. Uh, Firestarter, class of 1984. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff. Written by Jeff Loeb, Matthew Wiseman, and Stephen E. D'Souza. And it's starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Colonel John Matrix. Ray Don Chong as Cindy. Alyssa Milano as Jenny Matrix. That sounds wrong. Like, last name Matrix. I don't know what the fuck. Um, (laughs) Vernon Wells as Captain Bennett. James Olsen as Major General Franklin Kirby. David Patrick Kelly as Sully. Yes. The awesome Bill Duke as Cook. And Dan Hayeda as Arius. We'll go into the little synopsis here I pulled from IMDb. A retired Special Forces officer, Colonel John Matrix, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is living a quiet life. He is happily spending his time in a remote country house where he dotes on his daughter, Jenny, Alyssa Milano. However, some mercenaries, former colleagues of his, have other plans. They kidnap Jenny and give Matrix an ultimatum. Assassinate a Central American leader or they will kill Jenny. Matrix has other ideas. I mean, come on, there's no real plot to this film. So, I mean, it's probably given the film a bit more credit than it deserves. But, um, and I'm not saying that as a negative. So, we're going to go to our first-time guest here, Greg, first. What are your sort of general thoughts on this film? Well, my general thoughts tonight is that you guys are no longer reviewing films and you're reviewing pornography because these two movies, this one especially, is 80s action pornography. And as already one of your commenters said, is I, I could argue this might be the best 80s movie of all time. Not the best movie from the 80s of all time. Not even the best movie of Schwarzenegger's, but it's just such a perfect 
80s movie. It has everything. It has the one-liners. It has the invincible Schwarzenegger. It has the paper-thin plot that just gets through. It even has the random, you know, five seconds of tits in it just because, hey, it's 80s. Let's show some boobs for no reason. Like, this movie is just, for what it aims to be, just the perfect action movie. Nice. Uh, Gary, what are your sort of general thoughts? Well, it's got dummy falls. It's got bad model explosions. It's got, you know, 70 people dying in, in 20 minutes, span of 20 minutes. That's my kind of flick. It's good stuff, you know. It's Commando. I I, I don't know. It just speaks for itself. The action-packed, great characters. Vernon Wells is wonderful in everything. Even bad stuff he's in. Schwarzenegger gets ice cream on his nose and... <laughs> You know? <laughs> oh god, that, that opening montage is kind oh of my god. <laughs> so it, it, if it, it wasn't for the fact that Alyssa Milano said "daddy" before the montage started, that would be incredibly okay. fucking creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so bad. No, it's great thing. You, you know, like great characters. Uh, you're supposed to believe that Dan Hedaya is from South America. <laughs> You're supposed to believe that? I kind of do, because, you know, you do that accent, but I don't believe it at the same time. It's my biggest problem with this movie is that he's far from that, but he works it kind of. It's kind of a Fright Night 2 situation to, to which the the bad guy helpers are a lot cooler than the actual bad guy, especially yeah. the guy with the jerry curl on the airplane. That guy's that <laughs> outfit, man. Mix it those steel drums. Mm, mm. Man, good shit. I would argue, like, who's the who's the big villain in this? Uh, Bennett, he's probably the big guy. I don't know, or the, or the dictator guy. Uh, but I, I would argue, yeah, definitely the henchmen are the stars of this show, not so much the actual big bads at the end. Yeah. yeah. Daniel, what do you think? I grew up on this. I saw it for the first time when I was, like, nine years old. I've got to say, I, I put this on. I bought it from Amazon and, uh, you know, hit play on it. And my wife's, you know, kind of vaguely kind of looking up from her phone, like, oh, what are we watching? I'm like, this movie was really a big part of my childhood and she's like oh does it have a sassy brunette in it and i said well actually it has two um <laughs> i th- this is like quintessential arnold schwarzenegger for me Rewatching it man this is a terrible fucking movie and yet i love it nonetheless i love radon chong in this i just uh, i love that character i love uh, i just love her regardless of anything uh i don't know it's you're right it's got all the one-liners it's got all that like classic I mean, it's almost like paint-by-numbers mid-'80s arty. You know, it is complete Reagan-era masturbation. It should not work in the slightest, and yet uh, somehow it does. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I land on it, at least as a, as a first impression. Yeah, for me, this is basically Arnie's answer to Rambo, because this this takes him as just this Aryan Superman character who cannot be killed, cannot be defeated. He, he just mows down people at will. Can I, can I say my favorite moment in terms of superhuman Arnie? Like it's such a little moment, but there's a moment where they come across a chain link fence with a, with a uh, chain on it, like with a, with a padlock mm-hmm. and he just rips it off. Yeah. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. no, because of course I can, because you know, and it really sets the stage for like superhero movies, like 15 years later when suddenly like we had the budget to do these. You know, more realistically, there's this detailed backstory in which like Bennett and Matrix are these super soldier, like universal soldier type characters that have like, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. because I mean, there are lines where, you know, Matrix or I could go through all these guys in like tissue paper or whatever. And you'd, you'd think that like with a little bit more of like a sci fi finish, 
you they do something like that. But no, this is just completely, you know, he's just that badass. He can smell the bad guys coming. It doesn't mean he warns anyone, but he smells them coming. Oh, yeah, they were downwind. I smelled them. Yeah, well, they just killed like a bunch of our. Yeah, yeah, but I smelled it. It was fine. You know. <laughs> hey, hey, oh. he was told they are good soldiers. He wanted to put them to the test, and they failed. Yeah, they <laughs> failed miserably. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is right in that scene where um, it's probably the best commercial for Chevy ever, ever because <laughs> they, they, cut, they, they cut all that stuff off. He does this in Coda too, where they show his feet as he's pushing something heavy, mm-hmm. and he, he hurls this truck down a hill. And this thing should have flipped over about 14 times by now, but he's like, thank God, didn't choose a Ford. He's just rolling down this hill, and he catches up <laughs> with him almost, you know. It's impossible, but he does it, and I love it, you know. Yeah, you know. It, it's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing, because the, the, the road going up to his place winds down this hill like a fucking snake. So if he misses him on the first pass... He'll catch them on the second pass because he's still going down. It's like Bill Duke's like, we're, we're ahead of him. And then he, he gets to the second pass. He's he, going he to us. He, he mentioned that he cut the brakes too. So he has no yeah. brakes either. So it's like, you know, it's lovely. It's like, they got in, choose a Ford, y'all. <laughs> Check it out. You know? mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's where it helps to have the plot armor where you just can't be killed. Yes. Or, or even really hurt. Yeah, he, he gets slightly hurt by a grenade at one point, and that's about it. Probably fatal range for the average man, but for him, he got a scratch on it. It just made him angrier. Mm-hmm. I think the Arnie the Arnie scream heals all wounds. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty great. The the film never stops. This is one of those films where it it just hits scene after scene. Like there's no slow points. It's already halfway over. By the time you get to him ambushing Cook at the motel, you think that'd be something that would be the first half hour of the film, but no, it's we're already forty five minutes in. He's already finishing off all of the fucking subordinates of the of the main bad guy. You know, uh, the true star of this film is David Patrick Kelly. Sully's wardrobe oh. is the true star of this film. <laughs> those pants with those suspenders and those red glasses. Forget about it, man. You know. Mm. He, he is the quintessential 80s rapist because yes. oh, oh yeah because this guy you know he, he's one of those uh, uh quote-unquote alpha males who doesn't take no for an answer he's like he tries to hit on radon chong several times and then finally when she's basically like, will you please leave me alone like she doesn't even say like fuck off she's just like will you please go away and he's like you fucking whore yeah <laughs> one of my favorite sequences is this bit in the mall where mm-hmm. Uh, he walk. They walk to the mall, and there's a big action scene that's going to happen. But before the action scene, he walks into like a bar in the mall, and apparently, despite the fact that this takes place in Southern California, the interior of that bar is somewhere in South America, because it's literally like you know drug deals are happening. I mean, this is the seediest fucking like mall bar ever. You'd think this mall would be terrible to have this kind of thing because literally they have about. 300 security guards that go after Arnold the second You'd think this place would be locked down. You get one guy show up, you know, to approach him at first, and then when he takes out that one guy, they've got, you know, a whole bunch of yeah, just extras who are just going to show up and uh, and completely get demolished by Arnie. It's, it's phenomenal. Actually, that sort of reminds me of Hercules in New York, sort of towards the mm. end where Arnold's just fighting off all the extra guys just coming mm-hmm. out just literally get hit. That, that, that actually is like, to me, just a complete throwback to that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, I have a question about this mall. So 
Sully has this deal where he's getting like our fake passports from this, you know, this South American character who's obviously like a, you know, he's into all kinds of illegal shit. So why does this guy that Sully's dealing with, why does he run out of the bar and start shooting? Because nobody knows who the fuck he is. Matrix doesn't know who he is. The security guards don't know who he is. He could walk out of there without any problem at all, but he decides to run out of that bar and start shooting, and then he gets gunned down by the fucking security guards. <laughs> because action movie, I, I don't know. It sounds <laughs> off to me, too. You know. the secu- security guards have guns in this mall. That, like, <laughs> what mall cops ever hold fucking guns? I don't think that well, even happens were... in America. In the were... States, I think some of them do, actually. Do they? Really? In, in the but, 80s? Did this, this is a mall with a South American drug kingpin running a yeah. bar in the middle, so apparently... <laughs> <laughs> so they're just waiting for, for the, the moment where they can catch this guy, you know, and catch, catch this South American kingpin who runs the, the, the really seedy bar. We're going to catch him. He's paying rent in the mall for now, but once he slips up, we'll catch him. Well, I mean, he he signed his five year lease, so we, you know, legally we can't kick him out, you know. You know, I, and I I know a lot of these movies. I'm frankly, both of these movies are products of their time. But this movie, literally, the plot would not work if it was not in the '80s, because at that point in the mall, Sully would have just picked up his cell phone, called Bennett. They would have killed his daughter. The yes. plot would have been done. Uh-huh. This movie literally only works because he had to run to try and find a payphone. He had to steal Radon Chong's quarter. <laughs> Who conveniently had a quarter in her pocket. Yeah. <laughs> in the era of self in the era of uh payphones, I think that was much more common than today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you knew when things were going south, the, the the pan drum stopped, the steel drum stopped, and then the saxophone kicked in a little longer. And then you know that's how you knew things were going south and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good sequence. This has the economy of plot where it's it's just next beat, next beat, next beat. There's no slow po- points at all. I mean, halfway through the film, we're already going to the final of the finale of the film. Basically, um, I have a question. I this is something I did not pick up on. Is the uh, deposed dictator uh, Dan Hiatus character? Is he in? Vera Verde or wherever the fuck that country is by the end of the film is is that where his compound is? I sort of got the idea that it was uh, on some other island that was okay, like, maybe yeah. cl- maybe close to it but not on it because Schwarzenegger was supposed to be traveling to that island. Mm-hmm. I don't think that plane was headed to the same place his compound was. Yeah, because he's he's got a he's got like an eleven hour time frame to save his daughter before they realize he's not on the plane. And I was kind of wondering if if that compound was in the same country or not, because if that's the case, he somehow beat that plane with his fucking boat. Well, they, they got they got there way quicker. So, I mean, I guess putting it that way, I mean, I would almost assume the compound is, let's say they're, uh, it's in California, but I, I was going to yeah. say, just to, just to use Florida as an example, like maybe the compound's sort of in the Keys and maybe like the the thing would be in Cuba or something, like... And and the, well, I mean, <laughs> geography geography makes no sense in this film. Let's no. just let's just leave it at that. But yeah, no, yeah. clearly clearly, it's intended to be an island somewhere off of California or Florida or whatever. Yeah, because you know? it open it opens too many questions. Because if if it's in like U.S. jurisdiction, he's basically got a whole Central American or South American militia army <laughs> running around that fucking island. Like he's he's got like two or three hundred people. He's literally he's literally just created a he's literally just started a war in Central America. 
Mm. You know, which apparently that's just what when you when you watch the film with paying attention to like all the countries that Matrix has apparently like been in. It's yeah, you've been going and putting down leftist uprisings all <clears> over <throat> Central America. Yeah, congratulations, Matrix. You're actually the bad guy of this film. <laughs> you are the force of American imperialism coming and destroying the world. <laughs> and that's the real lesson. When you look at the opening shot of him coming out of the woods with the fucking log on his shoulder and shit, that's directly taken from Triumph of the Will kind of Nazi propaganda films, like with the Aryan Superman kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so like there, there is a there is a little bit of that in this. But what do, what do you guys think of the finale of this? It's like twenty minutes of Arnie just murdering people. <laughs> Well, like, like I said, it's it's literally action movie porn at this point. It's like there's no, there's just no, like he's literally him against the entire army. And I think that actually reminds me of uh, Rambo 3, which again, I'm going to embarrass myself with the dates, but I'm pretty sure Rambo 3 came out after this. Yeah, I think it did. I think it's yeah. like 86 or 7, something but like it's, that. But it sort of reminds me of the end of that movie where it's kind of like Stallone versus an entire army. And yeah, I know some people come and help him at the end, but... Uh, yeah, it's basically like, you know, one man versus an entire army. Like, hey, it's we're going to try and make it somewhat realistic. But the reality is this guy's a seven foot tall, you know, 250, 300 pound giant and an entire army can't hit him. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite part of that scene is when you for one part where you visually see the springboard of the guy flying backwards. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> Well, yeah, and also but, um, you see you see buildings explode and the dummies in front of them who are supposed yes. to be guards and they don't move. Those are the models. <laughs> yes, those are great. <laughs> but the, the point where army of our army, our one man army Arnie is uh, stuck in the tool shed and he chucks those saw blades at those dudes. Chops a guy's fucking skull cap off with one. Well, that's the part where this movie briefly becomes an 80s horror movie where Schwarzenegger's like in fucking Jason's cabin and just becomes Jason's yeah. cabin for a, for a couple minutes. Packs off the guy's forearm. It's amazing. It's, hey, it's, it's, hey, early on in the film, there there are like legit Friday the 13th audio stingers in, in, in different parts, which which is weird. Like they, they stop it halfway through the film. They just stop and then you don't hear them anymore. But early on, there are like legit Friday the 13th-esque audio stingers in the film that almost kind of hint towards what that tool shed scene is going to be. <laughs> yeah. I love to say with the conclusion that, you know, but when, you know, Kirk, general Kirby finally shows up, they're all, everybody, everybody's dead to say, Oh, he's not going to be punished for any of these kills. And maybe he did yada, yada, yada. Like, no, this is one of those guys who doesn't exist. And then <clears throat> just leave it alone. Like they're white. They're, I'm literally wiping my hands right now into the microphone and, you know, that's all they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do, what do you guys think of Vernon Wells uh, as Bennett here? Because he, he kind of looks like Freddie Mercury on steroids. Do, I, love does that he's, wanna... I love that he's wearing chain mail. Like, it's yeah. just, you know. Because he looks like a really bad knockoff G.I. Joe villain. But does anyone else sort of get the vibe that he's kind of this really, you know, <laughs> problematic, sadistic, homosexual character who wants to I, fuck I, I get child molester from him. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely wants to stick something in Alyssa Milano, and that's fine in 2018. 1985, not so much. Yeah, it was at least a few years before you were legally allowed to masturbate to her. Yeah. <laughs> he did toss away the child to quote unquote shoot John Matrix in the balls. You know. <laughs> I mean, literally the entire ending of the movie could have ended with him just killing Schwarzenegger and being like, hey, done, kill the daughter, done, I get out of here alive. 
but he had to kill Matrix, and he he literally had an orgasm at the thought of stinking that knife into him. So I could kill you, John. I could kill you. I don't need a gun. I don't need a gun, John. I could kill you. You, you, you got to think that there's like, you know, th- this film is not interested in doing that, but th- there's clearly like some backstory. It, it does, this almost does feel like a sequel where, mm-hmm. you know, there's an earlier film where like the two had a falling out or where the two were working together and then, you know, they turned on each other or whatever. And there, there, there's some bad blood and you do, you know, the film really leans on this idea that this guy has this long history with Matrix well, that they we just a, don't see, you know. They make a small remark about it, basically so that he was kicked out of the unit for being a real wild card, I guess. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> I mean, not that killing a guy by throwing him on a table leg and like where it goes through his midsection, that's perfectly acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. But pushing your car down a, down a hill and, uh, you know, running over, killing, you know, just randomly starting a war in Central America just, you know, because your daughter got kidnapped. All of this perfectly reasonable, acceptable behavior. So whatever this guy did was even worse than that. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the movie sets up. John Matrix loves his daughter, so he's the good guy, even though he does worse shit than any of the fucking bad guys do in the film. <laughs> They they probably found like subversive literature in his footlocker or something, or like you know they found yeah. a copy of like Playgirl and were like, oh, you're clearly kicked out of this. We John can't have Matrix you. Matrix listens to the Beatles. <laughs> Fuck him. He listens to the Beatles. I, yeah. Can I mention another detail that I just really like tickled me on this rewatch? Mm-hmm. Um, that is the uh, the candy color coated cars that uh, these characters drive towards the beginning. Oh yeah, um, because I mean, you basically have ordinary like eighties cars, and then you have sixties. You know, there's the there's the bright red, bright yellow, and uh, it makes it very easy to sort of keep track of them as you're uh, watching the film. Uh, you know, so you kind of get the kind of physical layout of everything. Schwarzenegger <laughs> and uh, Radon Chong get to drive three brightly colored vehicles in the film and i just i I just it just kind of delighted me on this rewatch that they went to that level of like oh no no we gotta we gotta like make sure they got cool cars it's awesome i said i also love the cliche of you know the gun store that has everything (laughs) it has more than everything yeah what what gun store can you buy a bazooka of that size you know it's crazy I'm He's sure probably. there probably are some, but uh, not being from the States, but I just, I don't know. I don't think it would be at the average gun store. Uh, he just found the right one, I guess. Um, it's, it's, it's like military surplus, and since this is the 80s, apparently they just had a bunch of that shit lying around. It's like, well, you know, if you're going to, you know, how, how else are you going to try to take over the island of Dominica if you can't, you know, get a, get a few rocket launchers? Uh, you know, on, on clearance, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, even, even and then Ray they Jung. come with an instruction manual. So it's yeah, you know. <laughs> Ray Chong even you know she gets to use the instruction manual, although she did, apparently didn't read it too closely because she gets it backwards the first time. <laughs> just, you know, blows up a store. Hopefully, no one was working well, there at the time. Beginner, but... Beginner's mistake. Yeah, um, hey, I, I think the first time you fire a rocket launcher, I think you're allowed one. You know, I fired it backwards. That's that's yeah. just you know. Yeah. After after that, it's humiliating. I only have one more question for this movie. That you know, it's like, uh, okay, I don't buy into this. How does Arnold hear his daughter from that uh, damn <laughs> murder dungeon that she runs into, and Bennett's been chasing her for ten minutes of the twenty minutes of the final scene? How how does Arnold hear her? All of a sudden, she just sort of like casually, Daddy. And it's like he hears her, and he's up there killing Dan Hyena. And 
He can like, smell the bad guys coming. Are you at all surprised he has other super senses? Okay, I guess he can super hear her down in fucking like Jigsaw's murder dungeon. Uh, Jenny, the steam factory, the steam factory underneath the plantation in <laughs> uh, you know this Central American island. Yeah, clearly. He just he just sniffs the air and says, "Jenny, you're a woman now. I found you." You know, oh, oh, God. well, that makes the opening seem way more creepy. Yeah, that's that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, do, do we have any final thoughts on this one? We want to conclude. On I, I I got a few things I wouldn't mind rattling through, and I'll try sure. to be quick since I know this is going to be a long one. But uh, okay, I think of the dude's name, but uh, Duke, the guy from Predator. Him, they're fighting in the hotel. Bill Duke. Bill Duke. Yep. They break into the next hotel where I mentioned earlier, hey, a little bit of boobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone notice the girl is behind the guy and they seem to be filming a porn? So is it, yeah, are, they're they, doing, are, they, are they doing pegging or? They're doing a porn and that's uh, Ava Cadell who uh, was a in lots of sexploitation and B-movies. And then she be, she's now like a renowned sex therapist. Hmm. Because she seems to be doing him from behind. So I'm just, hey, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I just thought that was kind of progressive for the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, the whole cop thing I kind of thought was a little bit like, hey, we need to extend this movie by about another seven minutes. So the whole let's rob the store, basically, you know, get arrested and then get out of it moments later. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty no, convenient. I, I, a I think there. that's just an excuse to show the uh, to show the rocket launcher. Like that's 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 why that's there. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it's there. It, it sets it up, basically, is what it is. And, uh, not that I think they need to necessarily set up a rocket launcher, f- <laughs> you know, before the, the the ending action scene, but still, it, that's what it does. It basically, here's this rocket launcher, and here's what it does. So when once Arnie brings it into the final battle, you know it's going down. And then there's one thing. You guys have had a problem with your show ever since I stopped commenting, uh, and I'm going to fix that right now. So every movie needs to have a nudity report. So I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> unfortunately, th- unfortunately, this movie does not have, other than that brief seconds of breast, does not have any uh, nudity in it, really. So just so you fellas know, and anyone who's watching this and is looking for some masturbatory material, uh, Ray Dong Chong does do quite a bit of nudity. Probably her most famous one is in Quest for Fire. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's also been in uh, Playboy, and she's in some magazine called Louie. The only one where you can actually see a little bit of Bush from her back in the day. And then, yeah, she has quite a string of uh, 80s movies that you do get to see. Her lady mounds, as you call them. Plenty if, uh, if you wish you could see her topless in this movie, but you can't. Google's your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of think everyone already knew that, but thank you, Greg. <laughs> but we, we need to point. We need to point this out. There may be some viewers on here that don't know how to use Google. I, I frankly, I question if Paul knows how to use it. it Google was invented after 1970, so yeah, that's probably <laughs> accurate. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I I just I just admire the complete necessity of showing uh, Arnold in that uh, uh, posing pouch speedo thing he's oh, wearing. Yeah. You know, th- there's quite a bit of man flesh on display. <laughs> Well, that would, that's for the ladies, definitely. It's almost like a callback to in Dr. No with, with Ursula Andress. Comes <laughs> up on the beach kind of thing. Uh, Sean Connery. Yeah, I think I think the only way it would be improved if it was Sean Connery and the Zardoz, if he was just uh, randomly <laughs> oh, yeah. wearing that outfit, you know? Oh, the diaper. Yeah. And then uh, then he shows up, and then he, like, takes that off and puts on the, like, badass commando uh, gear, and you get the, like, little montage. And that one at one point he says, The gun is good. The penis is evil. Only it's like Dan Hedaya's head saying it. 
<laughs> a floating Dan Hedaya head. <laughs> we, we we've just made a better movie, I think. Uh, yeah, well, and how is that even possible? possible? It's Commando, right? Yeah, it's not possible. And yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Frankly, just to finish off my thoughts, the whole sequence of Sully lines, where first he says he's going to kill him last, then he says he lies, and then just the dessert on the cake is just saying that he lets Sully go. The the best sequence of one liners ever in a movie in the history of all time and will never be topped ever. And if you think otherwise, you're a terrible human being. Any final thoughts on this one, Gary? If you haven't checked out the video Commando the Musical on YouTube, it's quite magical. It's only three minutes long. It's a guy doing a bad Arnie voice while putting words to music to scenes of the movie. It's kind of funny. Hmm. Oh, Commando's ball. It's great. I don't have any really anything else to say about scenes in the film because they're just, they're all solid. Yeah, they're all 80s. Those... <clears throat> Crazy action stuff I, I love so much. Yeah, one of the best Harneys ever. Yeah, uh, for me personally, I think this is one of the best big-budget, cheap exploitation movies ever made. Like, it it, it really works on both of those levels. It, it's a, both a big-budget movie and cheap as shit at points. So, and, and, uh, I like Mark Lester as a filmmaker as well. I also love Class of 1999 quite a bit. That's an amazing film. One, one more thought. Any film that shows a uh, lead character, a big muscle man, swinging from the ceiling from a balloon can't be all bad. All right. <laughs> uh, trivia on this. In 1986, a sequel was written by Stephen E. D'Souza and revised by Frank Darabont, of all people, with an eye to having hmm. John McTiernan direct. The script was based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever from 1979 by Roderick Thorpe, uh, but Schwarzenegger was an interesting reprise in the role. The script was then reworked with a new central character, eventually played by Bruce Willis, and became Die Hard. So there you go. That That's sort of... Although there, there was also, um, I, I think, a uh, sort of feelers for uh, Frank Sinatra as well, uh, if, if I recall correctly, to, to be in that. So kind of interesting. Body- <laughs> Frank Sinatra in the Alan Rickman role. <laughs> <laughs> Body count, I've seen two different numbers here, 109 and 81. Uh, 102 from the 109 killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then the... Uh, documentary Commando let off some steam from 2007 says the official number as to how many people Matrix kills is 81. So, you know, if you want to watch the movie and count yourself, fill your boots. I'm not going to do it. I think we need to set this one on BBNBC and let uh, let Mike do it for us. Yeah, re- like, why has Mike Murphy not done this yet, you fucking asshole? Uh, like, <laughs> give give us a fucking body count on this shit. It, it's because uh, he's a fucking hack. That's really the reason, you know. You son of a bitch. God damn. <laughs> We're, 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 we're tired of carrying you, Mike Murphy. Fucking get it, get it going. Apparently there are 54 stunt performers listed in the credits, 17 more than the actual cast. So, <laughs> and this, you you got to have a bunch of guys wearing green fatigues and falling off roofs. That's, the, uh, that's, the, that's basically yeah. what this movie is. Yeah, that's not counting the dummies that you were standing outside the exploding buildings and not moving. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Nolte was originally the, the choice for John Matrix, which is oh, interesting. Like, apparently they're going to rework it as, like, gone to seed special forces guy who had to, you know, get his mojo back to get his daughter or something. So. See, I, I could see him as the Bennett character. I could not see him as the Matrix character. Uh, God damn, they stole my daughter. <laughs> I gotta lay off the sauce and go save my daughter. 
I gotta, I gotta fucking kill Bill Duke in a fucking motel. Ah, you get kind of, you get kind of over the hill, John Matrix. If you watch, um, there's a great film called uh, Death Before Dishonor, starring America's uh, awesome cop hunter from TV, Fred Dreyer. He has to save the military base in a way. It's, it's kind of great. Hmm. And yeah, and I, as I mentioned, uh, introduction to Matrix, he comes out of the forest with close-ups of his boots, chest, biceps, etc. shot and edited in similar fashion as uh, Lenny Riefenstahl's Nazi propaganda movies. According to director Mark L. Lister, this was done to represent the notion of the invincible man of the earth emerging from the forest. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, budget for this was $10 million. It made $57.5 million. And... Yeah, so it did really well. DVD info, 20th Century Fox had a 1999 and 2011 DVD and Blu-rays in 2008 and 2015. The, this is, I, honestly, all Arnold Schwarzenegger movies are easy to fucking find. Like, there's so many editions that uh, it's crazy. Well, one of them's a director's cut. I couldn't tell you the difference, though, as far there's, as, there's, like... There's about different? 30 seconds of extra dialogue. That's literally it. Is there's, that like, it? Okay. There's, there, there's, I think, a couple of the effect sequences are a little bit longer, like a couple of the gore sequences. There's, like, a few frames, and there's, like, one extra exchange with between Radon Chong and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the car describing her background. It's literally, like, three lines of dialogue. Oh, okay. so, so, wait, Dan, are, are you telling me that the director's cut does not cut out the fucking model shots of like the dummies in front of the fucking buildings to, to my knowledge it does not i did watch the director's cut but i haven't like i didn't go down and like compare it frame by what frame the or anything. Fuck? i think the director's <laughs> cut just has a little bit more gore in it doesn't it yeah i mean it's it i think it's actually like a minute like it's only it's only like a minute longer or right about the same like i mean it's literally like it's nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's director's cut and names all in name only, as far as I'm concerned. So, so they were they were cynically like, you know, there's these really bad shots of these fucking dummies standing in front of these buildings. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> I need I need that in my life, so I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're gonna take a break. We're gonna play a little bit of music, and we're gonna be back with the Running Man from 1987. What did
All right, the running man. In the year 2017, an innocent man accused of a crime has a choice. Hard time or prime time. Sensational, perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark. I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Guess they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Can you lift? Schwarzenegger is the running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The running man. Directed by Paul Michael Glasser, uh, who is... <laughs> Detective Dave Starsky from right. Starsky and Hutch. And he also directed such cinematic masterpieces as Sha- Shaquille O'Neal's Kazam. Don't so forget, don't forget Band of the Hand. That's a great movie. I've never seen that one. So that's a good, it. good. It's really good. Uh, so writers Stephen E. D'Souza as well. And based on, of course, the Stephen King as Richard Bachman novella, The Running Man. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger is Ben Richards. Uh, Maria Conchita Alonso is Amber Mendez. Yapit Cotto is William Loughlin. Uh, Richard Dawson is Damian Killian. Yes. Uh, Marvin G. McIntyre is Har- Harold Weiss. Mick Fleetwood as Mick, basically playing himself. He's basically playing Mick Fleetwood now in this film because he's got like the old age makeup and all that shit. But uh, there you go. Professor Turo Tanaka as Professor Sub-Zero. Turo Tanaka, a great professional wrestler uh, in this. Gus Rethwich as Eddie Buzzsaw Bitowski. Jesse Ventura, another great professional wrestler, as Captain Freedom. Jim Brown, superstar football player, as Fireball. And uh, Erland Van Litt de Jude as Dynamo. Another favorite of mine, by the way, from the uh, fucking Wanderers. Great, great fucking actor who died way too soon. Synopsis for this. A parody within an action thriller. Ben Richards is an innocent man who is sentenced to the Running Man game show. Futuristic audience participation capital punishment television show. While Ben is running from champions with chainsaws and sharpened hockey sticks, the host is busy with calls to the network about ratings. From John Vogel. I don't think that covers the movie too well. (laughs) I'm choking on your words, John Vogel. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll go back to Greg. Uh, what are your sort of general thoughts on this film? Well, I'm not as big of a fan of this movie as I am Commando. Uh, I still think it's an excellent film. This is a part of it. I think is this is not a movie I saw as a child. I think I saw this probably the first time, maybe 10, 15 years ago. So I didn't grow up with this movie. 
But uh, I really do enjoy this movie. I think, again, it's another Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that just – it's just awful, but it's just so 80s. It's, it's kind of a mix of action sci-fi this time around. Like it almost – to me, this is almost like the – it's like Total Recall, but like sort of the first time they tried it. Because the movie, to me, very, has a very similar vibe. I think Total Recall is a much better movie. But to me, it's kind of the same kind of vibe, same kind of color tones, same kind of general, the, you know, the general Schwarzeneggerness of it. But yeah, I, I really like this movie. I'm actually always surprised how long this movie takes to actually get going. Like, you don't actually get to the game show part till I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm going to say probably at least 30, 40 minutes before you actually get to the game show part. And it's actually this movie I find surprisingly complicated. There's a lot of little scenes, a lot of little subplots. It's not nearly as simple as the plot of Commando, but yeah, it's 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 good. I quite like it. All right, Gary. Oh, The Running Man's fun. I, I like it probably just as much as Commando, but for different reasons. It Stylistically, it's kind of fun. Your, your, your stalkers, as they call them, are a lot of fun. You mentioned... Uh, Irwin, I forget his his last name, but he plays Dynamo in the film, who's just outrageous singing opera and riding around like a fucking light bright, and you know it's it's, it's <laughs> looks insane. You got skunk hair, skunk faded. Jim Brown, look at this, no one's ever seen him before in any movie and anywhere. Fireball, it's just my, my biggest bitch is that they get dispatched so easily, especially Fireball, just gets taken out while Dynamo is allowed to live. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get that. No, it, Arnie's great. I uh, love, there's a scene that I love the most when Dynamo is shooting lightning bolts at him. He's just running as he's getting shot by these lightning bolts. And that, that's that's your 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 superior man, Nazi-esque, you know, Arnie, I guess, scene of this movie. is him just running while he's getting shot by lightning. Yeah, and Kodo shows up. He's minimalized this movie while Maria Conchita Alonso, who I despise and everything, that voice. I, I think she's an okay actress, but that voice takes me out every time. That you think that that you know, it's like oh, it's like it's like the Latina Fran Drescher, but I'm still sexually attracted to Fran Drescher, so that that takes something away from my love for Fran Drescher and my love for this one. I, I've been a long time since so I dove into the Bachman books themselves, but I remember the actual novella being a lot darker and less funny than yeah. this movie is. Um, well, and the hero's, I think, a lot more desperate. Like, isn't he doing it to, like, feed his family or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's way Part different. Book, way different. Richard Dawson shows out in this movie, and I love it. I mean, I, I watched reruns of The Feud and Hogan's Heroes, and I, I've come to love Richard Dawson. He even kisses the old ladies in this movie like he does on The Feud. I thought, thought, thought that was amazing. So he's just a wonderful asshole in this movie. Good, great lines. What's the matter? Steroids make you deaf. I love it so much. <laughs> you know, Sven Oli Thorson, Secundus, yeah. and Abraxas together again, you know, in this movie. That's important to mention because Abraxas is so terrible, but so terribly <laughs> awesome. Yeah. The, the, the interstitials. Kind of remind me of UHF, the climbing for dollars and, you know, all that stuff. And I still haven't gotten my procreation pills or my running man home game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it on to somebody else, you know. <laughs> all right, Daniel. Uh, again, this is another one I grew up with. I, I definitely uh, wanted to do this one today. You are completely wrong about Maria Conchito Alonso. The one really negative thing about her is that she is a complete right wing shithead these days but I think she is lovely and brilliant and I love her voice and you are completely wrong. Uh, I agree. Are, she's hot as fuck. 
I like her better on Predator too. Let's put it that way. Yeah, two great tastes that go great together, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> no, I love the satire of this. I love the sci-fi element. Um, I love the the look of the game show. I think you're right, Greg. I think you're right that uh, the film really takes a while to kind of get moving. Uh, I think today, if you were going to remake this, you would uh, really kind of frame it as uh, we're just kind of watching an episode of the TV show with, uh, you know, kind of added bits like you'd start the movie with kind of the opening of The Running Man as opposed to having this kind of extended sequence. I think the, uh, I think it's interesting that in the two years between Commando and uh, The Running Man that the sort of some of the uh, political sub-themes, like I mentioned that, uh, you know, <laughs> Commando has no misgivings whatsoever about, you know, the use of force by, you know, American military. And this one was a little like, and then the cops just like laid waste to a bunch of people who were starving to death. And like, yeah, maybe, maybe Ben Richards has something to say to John Matrix about um, the way things have been uh, going politically. But uh, no, I, I actually think this movie is, you know, it's big and dumb. But I think it does have it does have kind of a brain behind it. Um, I have read the uh, the Bachman uh, book. It's been a number of years, but uh, and that is much darker and does a lot more of a you know kind of earthy kind of down to earth feel. I mean, this is kind of big and you know I mean it's kind of framed as this kind of big you know colorful action movie. But um, I just I I do have a really deep love for this. Um, this makes me happy every time I watch it, and it's great. If you had to pay nine dollars for a soda, would you go crazy too? <laughs> change no less you know well here, here's the thing though the people in this uh, totalitarian future they're more in- inconvenienced than anything else and they don't even seem to realize they're in a totalitarian future until you know maybe they see a video that oh wait this video was doctored and there's a lie like <laughs> maria could isn't it isn't it brilliant that back in the 80s we thought yeah, you just show people the real footage and they'll believe it. Like, yeah. to be a fake news. Mm-hmm. First, you get the state propaganda, and then at the end of the film, you get the resistance propaganda, and everyone believes it all of a sudden. Like, it's just at the game show there, when everything breaks down, they start showing the real footage, but there's no reason for the people in the audience to necessarily believe it, but they but do I, instantly. I think, I think it was not a. Yeah, part of it is because they believed it, but I think part of it was just because they. Because Schwarzenegger was killing everyone, the audience was just happy. They're like, hey, this guy's killing people. We're on his side now. And, Even the well, old lady. Yeah, and I mean, honestly... He's my kind of motherfucker. I mean, Schwarzenegger, That's honestly, right. he, he shouldn't have even spared the audience because they're all basically just shitheads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just, they, they just sort of sway with whatever tide fucking takes them, you know? But yeah, this, this is a lot of fun. Uh, like the totalitarian state stuff is mostly window dressing. Like it, it doesn't go quite deep into that as far as I'd like. But the movie's basically this over the top cartoony action violence thing that is totally divorced from the source material in that regard. But I enjoyed a lot. Like it, it's big. Uh, I, I love all the actors in this. I like the hunters. I mean, Professor T- Tenora Tanaka. Uh, fucking Jesse Ventura is great as Captain Freedom as this God Deceived guy who was the original Hunter who's you know he, he's feeling kind of uh, pushed aside by the state you know it's like oh you're the retired guy we don't need you anymore you you just sit there and do commentary although we'll interrupt you while you're doing commentary and he's got this totally terrible fucking hairpiece that is just like dude you should be embarrassed to have that hair <laughs> fucking Jim Brown looks older than he does Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jim Brown, like he—he, he, you're right, Gary. He dies like a bitch in this film. Like it's just, there's this big thing 
uh, like they call them fireball is not that impressive. They might as well just call them jetpack. Like what? <laughs> it's just... like, by the way, here's from the exposition. I killed them motherfuckers too. Mm-hmm. And then I get to let my, light my nuts on fire and blow me up. You know? Right. And here's, <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing about that scene is why, like, did they leave the bodies there? Like, why not throw them, take the bodies, throw them in some unmarked grave? Like, why is it like, hey, we killed these previous contestants. Let's leave them there for evidence for some future person to find. That's the string the audience along. Hey, hey, by the way, people watching this film, they actually lied. Oh. Did, did, did you not get that? They actually lied. How could they, they do that? They've only set that up for the entire movie that, you know, <laughs> basically the state is lying to everybody. We have to reinforce that at the end of the film that, oh, they lied. So so we can inform the characters because we know way more than the characters do in this film. My favorite detail of this film is that there are no cameras anywhere. So, you know, there's no sense of how any of this is being televised. Yes. <laughs> Again, I think I think a really fun like element if you were going to remake this would be to have camera crews following this around and like okay get in the shot get it you know yeah like some some douchebag with like a with a hat and a vest pretending he's a badass and you know really just like fall all right all right here's my vision for this shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, have any of you guys seen uh, series seven, The Contenders? No, no. No, that that's very much uh, in the same vein as this. It's basically uh, it came out around the time that Survivor and stuff first like started hitting the TVs and, and was big, and it's very much in the same vein. It's basically a totalitarian state where it's a game show where big basically normal people are picked by a lottery, I guess, and given guns, and then they have to hunt each other down throughout the U.S. and and it's mm-hmm. filmed. And it's interesting because it's, it's actually presented as a found, well, not found footage, but, you know, in a sort of documentary kind of style kind of thing. Where yeah, that sounds, fall- that sounds more similar to the original Running Man novella, actually. Yeah, it, it's, it's very much in, in that sort of vein. A very good. I'd recommend it for people to watch it. But this film does not care about those details, like because it shows all these camera angles of the shit that happens in the helicopter at the beginning of the film. There's no cameras there. But it shows it anyway. It, it basically just with, shows what with the cutaways. Film like there's mm-hmm. coverage of the like. It's not even like a, a you know a one locked off shot like or anything like that. It's completely you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just show you sequences from the movie that we made for a hundred million dollars or whatever this movie cost. Yeah, exactly. It's, so yeah. it's like what what can you believe? And they they actually show manipulation of footage where they show uh, Captain Freedom killing Ben Richards and what's her name Amber Mendez. They show that to try to you know <laughs> curtail the the tide of the audience turning against the state. So I mean they have the technology in place to change people's faces. So I, I guess maybe they'd have the technology to maybe they have cameras like at every fucking angle in a in every given situation maybe that's what the state is but i mean they they never set that up so it, it's kind of weird but i mean this movie doesn't care about that it's you, an action you film know, you're not supposed to think about it. you know what they do set up dancers mm-hmm. oh sexy, yeah sexy dancers choreographed by paul abdul yeah, yeah. yep yeah, you can tell. You can tell. I mean, that's very much Paul Abdul's dancing style in the on display there. Uh, I, I do find it funny though that the propaganda footage they show is basically shot like a bad 1980s action film. Like, <laughs> like when, when when they when they try to turn the the tide of the audience, everything kind of looks like it's. Uh, different footage from different things all sort of m- meshed together. Um, well, it's I also, a dystopian future. The audiences will believe whatever. Mm. I also like the Luge of Doom. 
Like they, <laughs> yep. they, they put them, they put them into the game and shoot them down this fucking luge tube that's way too long. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like twenty percent of contestants just die going down that thing. You know? Yeah, because the G force kills most of them, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually confused. Like, how did they do those shots? Like, did they just put someone in a wind tunnel or something like that and do that? Because you see Richard Dawson and Arnold Schwarzenegger and all the other actors go down these things. They must have been like in wind tunnels or something, right? To do that shot, because otherwise, how do they get their faces to flap back? <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure they just get a big, a big fan, you know, like they yeah. just got like an army of PAs just spraying them with, you know, like air casters or something. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so here's the question: Who's your favorite fucking uh, hunter? Uh, Dynamo. Just jump, Dynamo. Yeah. I, well, I think Dynamo is kind of wasted. I thought he was kind of. An interesting character with the opera thing. I thought it was kind of stupid how in his first sequence he gets into a dune buggy. It's like, well, <laughs> you've got the power of electricity on your side. Why the hell are you in a dune buggy? Like, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then in his second scene when he comes back, does anyone kind of notice he start? I'm pretty sure he starts off with pants. And then I gets <laughs> al- it's it's alluded that he's, I guess, going to rape. Uh, yeah, rape that's, that's not an and illusion. Then, that That's pretty obvious. Yeah, then suddenly yeah. he's in his underwear. It's like, oh, okay, well, he, that, he, that was uh, a weird cut. He he takes off his pants, and apparently they're just, they've just disappeared, and he's now wearing tidy whities And, you know, really, you know, rapist, superhero, electro-man – and tidy whities you know, clearly has to be your favorite. You know, there's obviously. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a badass, murderous Christmas tree of electric death. I mean, what... Re- really, really, this is our ginger rapist from the van who has advanced forty years. That's that's <laughs> forty years and two hundred pounds. And this, this is and this is the actor's swan song because I think he died like two or three months after this. Yeah, movie he really came did. Out. Yeah, he did. Yeah, fortunately, he he was an uh, opera singer. He he did his uh, singing himself. Yeah, he was legit. Did yeah. he sting in Stir Crazy as well? Because I really hope so, because he had a sweet voice in Stir Crazy. I assume he did. Um, okay. I really like him. Like uh, Again, the, the Wanderers, he's, he's great in that. As, as alone, in the, alone in the Dark as well. Yes, yes. He's, he's the uh, retarded killer in Alone in the Dark, yeah, yeah. Mentally challenged, we're PC on this podcast. No, we're really not. Oh, okay. He's retarded. <laughs> My favorite's Buzzsaw because he has a motorcycle and cut people in half. No, enough said. Plus, plus he has the he has the best death where he, yes. you know, a chainsaw to the balls is probably. <laughs> Yes. I mean, on the list of ways I'd choose to die, that's way, way down that list. Yeah, he's yes. probably not. He's probably not going to recover from that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that uh, Spin Oli. Uh, uh, what's his last name? Thorson. 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 I, I love how he's just kind of this reluctant bad guy. Like at the end, Killian's like, "Well, I want you to talk to Spin here," and Spin's like, "I got to go score some steroids." <laughs> he doesn't want to fight Arnold at all. He's just like, "Fuck this shit." Well, he's reacting to the line that he said, you know, the steroids make you death line, you know, so. Well, the thing I love is that there there are characters, like Amber, her character, like she's, apparently she wrote the state, like, propaganda song or whatever, yes. like, that's established. And and it takes, like, a fucking, to, to hear the false, the fake news of fucking Arnold killing a bunch of people to change her uh, thoughts on the state. But then you got guys like Ventura and and Sven. They're just they know everything's bullshit, and then they see their opportunity to get out of it. Although I kind of think Ventura probably gets killed. 
Like, he, I, th- I think maybe he gets, like, seen out of the building and murdered at some point, because... <laughs> yeah, he just kind of disappears from the movie, right? So, yeah, because, uh, yeah. I mean, they doctor footage to show him killing Arnold and, and uh, Maria, so it's like, they must have killed him, like, off screen. They must have murdered him, right? Because <laughs> they, they can't have him show up again, and... Like he's probably gonna say something if he shows up. I, again. I, I like to think that the resistance killed him. You know, well, like Dweezil Zappa showed up. Uh, you know, with his with his uh, <laughs> hat and just like just straight up murdered him. You know, with like a, a garrote wire or something. You know, and the uh, the technician in that scene is Kurt Fuller, everybody's favorite douchebag from movies. You know. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, you yeah. know what? I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to think that Jesse Ventura. Not only did he survive, but he made his way down. He got himself a minigun, made himself down to the South American jungle, where he was able to uh, join a military group and uh, then fought some sort of alien from outer space in the exact same year this movie came out. <laughs> did he literally become a sexual tyrannosaur in the, rep- in the reptile sense? I I believe that's actually accurate. Okay, he mutated, yeah. <laughs> And then in a, a few years later, he becomes the governor of uh, Minnesota. So. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, we totally glossed over this fact on Commando, but Bill Paxton was in that for a few seconds. So yeah, that's, he was. That, that's exciting. Cameo, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Here's something I, I, I want to mention. I, I, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. I might, I might have just mentioned it in, like, private hangouts. But Arnold really, like, around this time in the 80s, he had this really sort of hard-on for having leading ladies who were, like, feisty ethnic minorities of mm-hmm. some sort. <laughs> like Ray Dan Chong. <laughs> and in and, and, and this film, every time he had a leading lady, <laughs> they, they seemed like they were, like, latino or black or something along those lines so it's there there's a there's a thing in like in the 80s when there actually was better like ethnic representation than there was 10 years later things mm. actually moved backwards in the 90s where everything kind of became like goth and grunge and you know very 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 white yeah. um, which is, white, you know, white people being sad yeah yeah, yeah. I like the uh, opening shot of Los Angeles, by the way. It's it's basically this rejected Blade Runner matte painting. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's the, two things these films have in common is they both have green screen helicopter shots in there, or, or plane shots in them. One yeah. is in the, the Butcher Bakerfield, you know, that, that scene. Mm-hmm. And the other one is when they're flying in the, the seaplane in, in command. You can clearly see it's like green screened. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the footage for the helicopter, like at one point, the footage from the helicopters is actually taken from a different film, as far as I'm, as far as I remember. Like that's I was probably thinking, true. Yeah, they just kind of inserted it in. Another favorite thing here is seeing uh, a Maria at the end of the film where she's got an Uzi and it's got a scope on it for some reason. Like, why? Why would why you not? have a scope on it? Why not? Uzi? So you because, can be accurate with because your it's it's the it's the far future of 2017, Lee. Yeah, okay. And that's just what you do. Yeah, I mean that this. Movie, I, uh, I I would like to know where she stored that disc, though. That that that, that that's that has yeah. that has that has uh, that detail has uh, been in the back of my mind for the last thirty years. Apparently, uh, apparently she shoved it. Somewhere. She 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 uh, in that skin tight uh, outfit mm-hmm. she's wearing there. You know, there aren't too many places, and uh, they're all glorious. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> 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 uh, I'll also mention that basically Demolition Man ripped off half the plot of this film uh-huh. <laughs> because I mean uh, the Mick Fleetwood character is basically Dennis Leary in Demolition Man uh-huh. basically the same thing um, but uh, I, I do really get a kick out of how 
Mick Fleetwood is basically playing himself, but they don't really allude to that card. They don't say, like, this is Mick Fleetwood who used to make music back in the day before everything went to shit. But they do sort of hint towards it because apparently they, they do make a reference of him making music at one point. So this is Mick Fleetwood in 2017, and the Mick Fleetwood of 2017 looks way younger than the Mick Fleetwood in this movie, by the way, with his aged makeup. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't even doesn't even have a line like you've ripped off my tapes or something like that. Yeah, something uh, like that. And then he then he makes a line about comms over to you, Spock, and the guy's like, "What the fuck? I don't even know that reference." It's like you know, Spock and Star Trek have been erased from the fucking lexicon. Uh, Gilligan's uh, Island, you know, twice as many, Yeah. Yeah, it's like they re- they really underestimated how much like nerd nostalgia would be a thing. Like like oh yeah, no people won't know what Star Trek is twenty years from now. <laughs> I do wonder if you ask a 20 year old today, like, hey, have you ever seen Gilligan's Island? Or like, if you just mention, I, you know, I would, I'd be willing to bet a whole bunch of people who are like half my age have no fucking idea what Gilligan's Island Probably is. Probably not, because there's never been like a remake of it, right? You know what? I think they may have not seen it, but I think they'd at least know what it is. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I well, mean, they I'm did, sure they, they would have, have heard a... of it, but, like, not have any, like, context for, you know. Yeah, because they did have a Gilgan's Island reality show a few years, years ago, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any final thoughts on The Running Man, gentlemen? You can just uh, jump right in. Well, let me give a brief nudity report on this movie, because <laughs> because why not, right? Again, this movie had no nudity, despite that it had the excellent exercise sequences and the excellent, the scene where uh, at the beginning the girl was, Mar- I always forget her name, Maria, Maria Conchita, Conchita Alonso. Alonso. Yes. Uh, she was working out in her uh, in her lingerie, which I could appreciate it. Although there's no drug. Also, also there's a bit of bondage right there. So, like, you gotta give, give the kinky ones among oh, us that, some, that's, some that's credit. True. There, she was know? attached to her Bowflex, which I didn't even know existed in the eighties. <laughs> well, it's not the eighties; it's 2017, Greg. Oh <laughs> shit, that's right. This movie that takes place in the future. I forgot. Yeah, uh, there's the, there's the. Because I'm going to say please sequence, and you know right, where he just tears her up. Also, uh, uh, just on a brief aside, when she's talking to that blonde lady a little bit further, <clears throat> when Schwarzenegger gets arrested, that blonde lady mentions rape like three times in thirty seconds, <laughs> and uh, she looks really aroused by it. Like she's just like, "There's, there's you definitely been raped by him." Oh, well, that blonde lady is uh, Day Young, who I love so much from Rock and Roll High School, and uh, yes, yeah, that's her. He could have killed you. Or raped you, or, or raped, raped you, you then killed, killed you. you, or killed you then raped you. Like I'm surprised. <laughs> and, I'm surprised she's not licking her lips at that point because she's just like, yeah, I'd like that Schwarzenegger meat in me a little bit. Yeah, and and the and the camera's kind of staring at him, and he's clearly like he's still got that kind of like you know buff thing. And uh, yeah, no, there, there's definitely there's definitely a sense of oh yeah, this is meant to be a little bit of fetishization of just how good Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposed to look here. So you know. He's not interested in you. He's only interested in the hired help. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I'll just say that Miss Alonzo has been in quite a few films. You get to see all of her, including her grown-up lady hair. And Blind Heat is probably her most explicit, where she's basically doing softcore porn. Do you find this actress attractive? You've got plenty of options to, uh, shall we say, relieve yourself. You see, now I'm actually kind of considering I need you to record a nudity report every week for whatever we're doing. Well, Lee, we'll we'll talk. 
All right. We'll, we'll work something out. Uh, but uh, Daniel or Gary, you want to throw in for any final thoughts on this? I, I have I have one more one more detail that uh, struck me on on the rewatch is that before they uh, throw uh, Schwarzenegger into the uh, the game show, they do something where they like inject him with something, and they like it's supposed to like make him weak to where he can't fight back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And no detail of that ever comes back. It's completely, no, they like, dropped you know, it, didn't they? Yeah. They just completely drop. Like you don't even get like a moment to where like he's about to you know kind of he's about to lose consciousness or whatever. Like a and and. Uh, it is like one of those moments where it does feel like there's this just, you know, maybe they shot something and then just kind of lost it in the edit or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah no, it does feel like it just kind of goes nowhere. Gary? I had a whole lot left to add, really, except for I really like the stage setup of the, the Running Man. I think it's very neon and very 80s. And right there with the solid gold dancers doing their thing, it's just the perfect timepiece for. Not 2017, but 1980. Was it seven when this came out? Yeah, yeah it, it it could totally that could totally be like the set of Deal or No Deal, like softcore porn edition. Like, oh yeah, you know, it definitely. It's not only that it looks 80s, but it looks not necessarily 2018, but it does kind of look like 2003. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've always loved. Uh, this only happens in a couple of movies, but the prison where you have. The neck band that's going to blow your heads clean off. I love that. Mm-hmm. And this oh, yeah, that's too. great. Oh, and Arnold Schwarzenegger with a beard. That's always a, a, yes. a good thing in a movie, you know. You don't see it too often, but yes, it's kind of great. I wish he kept uh, it the whole time. Yes, that's great. With, yeah, the, with uh, a stogie, with a stogie. Like, I wish he just carried the whole movie going through the whole, like, you know, killing all the people that he does with a beard and a cigar. That's, yeah, that's the way he, to go. He gets rescued by the resistance and. He's desperate to escape and get away, but he still has time to fucking have a shave and a haircut. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that's about it, really. It's, it's, it's a fun time. It's a fun, dumb 80s movie filled with a lot of colorful characters and a great end song. I didn't mention that for this song and Commando. Oh, throughout the entire score, there's that sort of uh, through line where it's just like, do, 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 do. Do 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 do. That techno, like, yes, indeed. That score is in my soul, honestly. It's same, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's. I remember it from my childhood, and it's just. It every time I hear it, I go, "Oh fuck!" I get a little bit of a chill. Like that's that good. Yeah, mm. that's that's about it. The soundtrack, the end song is great, and end song. I think uh, one of them is John Farnham. I forget which one it is. It might be this one, but he also did. Thunder in Your Heart, which is an epic song from the movie Rad, and uh, about BMX enthusiasts and bike dancing and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, that's it, really. I'm sorry. Go for it. No, it's great. When Rob Cohen purchased the rights to the Richard Bachman novel, The Running Man, he had no idea that Bachman was actually the pseudonym for Stephen King. So that's interesting. Like, this was back before that became public, that, you know, Bachman was Stephen King. So... Um, he fooled some people for some few years, at least. Many people who worked with Richard Dawson on the game show Family Feud say that in real life, Dawson was much like his character, Damon Killian, and the handling of his underlings in this film. And I If that man is still mopping floors tomorrow, you'll be doing it for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But I mean, when you watch Family Feud, as charming as it is, He's obviously drunk most of the time that he's doing those shows. Like he's he's had a few fucking drinks, you know. 
Well, supposedly they've said that his personality in real life was actually very similar to how he is in The Running Man. Apparently he was kind of a douchebag, even though he hid it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, sometimes real life is the best way to inform a performance. And I mean, if he's, he's just he's himself, amazing in this. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, mm-hmm. he steal he really steals the movie. There's a, there's a real Westworld vibe I got like rewatching this. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, for know. sure. Well, in fact, if you watch the old uh, Siskel and Ebert review of this movie, they they give it two thumbs down. But uh, they actually said if you had just taken all of his parts, and by him I mean the uh, the announcer guy, uh, they would have actually made a really interesting movie if you just made it into like a you know a short thirty minute film just with his scenes. Honestly, a, f- a feature length film that was basically kind of like almost shot in documentary style, following him in this totalitarian state as this puppet of the government doing this game show. That's an interesting movie in itself. Like I, I forgot to mention one thing. When they're doing the bios, the announcers doing the bios of the people, uh, all they have for her is she had sex with several partners. <laughs> so she had year. sex with two, maybe three partners in the last year. Oh, my like, God. Then she met Ben Richards. <laughs> And, 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 and it's funny because it's funny because when she says the thing when he says the thing about her and Ben Richards, she says that's a lie. But the other stuff she doesn't say that was a lie. So hey. yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly, a horrible <laughs> slutty woman has had sex with three people in the last twelve months. Oh God, her obsession, her hey. lover. You know, <laughs> I mean, she, she has some tapes from the censored list. I mean, that's been established. So she's clearly a whore. Yes. I just wanted to go back. I I had to mention that. Yeah, that's great. So they had a nudity report in the eighties too. Yeah. (laughs) Budget twenty seven million. This one didn't do as well as Commando. It only had a thirty eight million dollar return, which is you know honestly with fucking advertising stuff, you're probably slightly above breaking even. Really, probably. That's because she's such a whore. That's why it didn't do so good. Yeah. Well, and this movie was actually rushed to box office because they were actually worried about competing with Predator, which came out later in the year. That's right. They were worried Schwarzenegger would kill Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. DVD info for this. uh, Lionsgate has a DVD Blu-ray from 2010, and Olive Films has a DVD and Blu-ray from 2012. Those are your best options. But again, like Commando and like basically every Arnie movie out there, there's a multitude of ways to find this. And I mean, I think both of these are on Amazon prime as well that you can rent and buy. So, um, I yep, mean, they are. Yeah. So if, if you can't find these, then it's basically your problem. Not You're probably theirs. not trying very hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Gregory, thank you very much for being on the podcast and, uh, you are definitely invited back if you ever want to come back. It was a pleasure to have no, you. On the this was an awful experience. I'll never be back. All right. Well, I mean, you know, we tried. We, we no, feel the no, same I'm, way. No, we I'm feel the kidding. same way. No, I'm just kidding. I need the friends, guys. I need the friends. I'll be back. Please. please All right. Please, thank All right you. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you know, when, whenever we announce stuff that looks interesting to you, if you want to jump in, we'd love to have you back. It'd be great. Cool. Well, I'll take you up on that. Yeah. So, Gary, you have a nice little charity to pimp, and you have some podcasts to pimp. So, now's your time on the floor. Just do it, sir. Yes, uh, most important thing in my life right now is this uh, Please and Flicks charity auction. It's uh, for the South Suburban Humane Society. It's a no-kill shelter. It's a memorabilia auction that takes place over Facebook event page. You come on there. It's a week from week from tomorrow as we're recording this. So the second Saturday in, in December it starts. 
at noon. It ends at 6 p.m. on Sunday, but we usually extend that if people need more time, obviously, whatever. Stuff in there, anywhere from wrestling people. I got a Trish Stratus autograph in there. I got Mick Foley autograph in there. To uh, horror stuff, I got recently met Clive Barker, and he got some Clive Barker stuff in there, some Hellraiser stuff in there. I'm on Elm Street. I frequent a lot of conventions, people, and people are awful giving sometimes. But there's lots of stuff in there for you to check out. If you get like guys like autographs, you guys want something to put in your wall, get your loved one. You know, it's there. It's an international auction uh, with the caveat of as long as you guys help me ship it to Scotland or England or wherever you guys live. I'll help you out with that. I don't mind working with customs. It's just a good thing. It's it's a good thing to have um, off my conscience to say mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And people are always helpful with it. And I'm always blown away by their generosity. Because uh, some of these autographs are expensive and they give them away for free. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Well, it sounds like a good cause. Yeah, I, I, I think it is. And, I'm, um, not mu- I'm not much of a humanitarian, but I do love animals. So, hey, go for that. <laughs> Most of the people on my podcast say, fuck the humans, save the animals, you know, they, they, uh, <laughs> all day long. Yeah, Cinnamon Beef Podcast is my flagship show, if you will. That and the two drink minimum commentaries can both be found on legionpodcast.com. Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. I have an episode in the works as we're talking right now. I got to get a, get it. I'm getting it all together. I'm working it out of my brain. We're going to do um, Deathstalker 2 uh, along with a couple of recent releases being Creed 2 and Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet because I've seen those recently and <laughs> they just already be talked about and I'm going to do that. That's about it, really. Thanks for, for having me on. Let me pick my stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's always a pleasure to have you, Gary. And I would definitely recommend the charity for, for Gary here. It's been going a couple years now. It's a, it's a worthy cause and even if you don't want to bid on an item that he's throwing up there, you, there will be a PayPal link, uh, will there not? That you can yes, just there will be to a throw. Yes. PayPal thing, yes. Yeah, so I mean, if you just want to throw money at uh, Gary and help some uh, animals uh, find some homes and uh, be cared for, jump onto that. We'll link all that into the show notes, and uh, that'll be great. So there you go. Uh, Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. That's uh, usually the best way to find me. Everything I do goes up there. Mm. And you can find us all at uh, tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find our requisite links to our Facebook group, They Must Be Destroyed Inside on Facebook, our YouTube page, and our Apple Podcast links. And Daniel, have you decided what we're going to be doing next time? I, I think we need to talk about it off air and kind of pick what, pick what makes sense. But, um, yeah, something fun. All right. Awesome. But till then, uh, thank you all you for joining. Uh, it was awesome to have all you guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, friends. Cheers. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Facebook group links, as well as podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.